This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I am Matt Miller. I am Matt Henry. And I am Mark. And we are going to continue on after we ask you to like and share and comment. Yes. Rate and, and review. I was going to say that. Oh, you were say it? No, it's done. I, I, I think you, your, your voice has more of an authority than mine. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's certainly true in some other universe. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, Anyhow, yeah. so in light of our um, <laughs> episode on kinds of theology, we now want to do some episodes on systematic theology. Not just some. We're going to do a ton. We're going to do a. We're just going to do theology. a systematic theology. Yeah, and yeah. um, it's it's. But we're going to do them in chunks. Yeah, bite-sized. In fact, this one's going to be probably a really simple one. And boring. And boring. It, we're, we're, in fact, we're warning them right now. It's It lacks, I don't know, interest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to call it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's <a> it. <laughs> All right, guys. Like, like and review. <laughs> like and review. Definitely a share-worthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like well. this content. Yeah, yeah, this one will just be getting shared for the picture. <laughs> so, so in the systematic the, uh, or the kinds of theology that we did, we gave a we started out in that one just talking about what systematic theology is, and we gave a basic breakdown of systematic theology one, two, and three. Um, and so, as we mentioned in that one, systematic theology one begins with a good bibliology, right? Which is doctrine of scripture of the Bible. And so in light of that, we're going to begin here this with um, bibliology. Um, so this is going to be a short one. As we said, it's going to introduce this subject on how God has revealed himself. Right. So before we get into bibliology, bibliology proper, we're going to say just the idea of revelation. There are two aspects right. to it. And so um, any student of theology knows this, others don't know it, that uh, the first uh, revelation is natural revelation, and then the second is special. So we'll first, first just kind of talk, not kind of, we'll actually talk about what natural revelation is. That's um, a Matt Millerism. I know, I know, and, <laughs> Rubbing off on and I re repented of it, though. Yeah. Um, it's also known, though, in uh, as general revelation, but the key thing that people should understand and we'll, we'll make it hopefully fairly clear here, but um, it's insufficient for salvation. Right. God has revealed himself through natural means, but it's not to the point where you can then have a right relationship with God. So mm -hmm. we'll just throw out the key texts that uh, are normally used. First, there's... Um, well, well in, let me just say, there's a few different kinds of natural or general revelation. Like? Well, the, like the first one, environmental and... Oh, I, oh, historical. I see what you're doing. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm giving the people an outline. I'm uh, pre-encoding. Right. Pre-encoding, right. and you're making it interesting as I'm sitting here dribbling along. <laughs> Anyhow. Waiting so, on bated breath. Yes, I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, environmental or historical um, 
Revelation. First text would be out of Job uh, chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Uh, Lainey, do you have that? Mm-hmm. But now ask the, sorry. <laughs> Could you read it? So you can like read it? Or? <laughs> <laughs> but now ask the beasts and let them teach you and the birds of the heavens and let them tell you or speak to the earth and let it teach you and let the fish of the sea declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? And so, so he's just saying, you know, by looking at the birds and and speaking to the earth, you can, you can discern certain things. In fact, Solomon does that in uh, Proverbs. He says, you know, go to the ant, you sluggard. And observe. Um, so there is a, there are things that you can draw from just watching the way God has put the world together. Another one that's extremely famous is Psalm nineteen one through six. Um, Mark, do you have that? If not, I'll I got read. it. You got it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mark's doing memes, isn't he? <laughs> Meme making, Mark Mueller. Yeah. So in Psalm nineteen one through six, it says. Um, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the ends of the world. In them, he has placed a tent for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. So he, he's basically saying, look, there's these, these create, created aspects of, of creation. Uh, he's saying there's no speech. They don't have words. And yet in some way, they're still telling of God's glory. They're yeah. declaring the work of his hands. So you can look at creation and know that behind that, there's, there's a creator, there's order, there's design. And not just in some vague sense, but in a glorious way, a beautiful way. And, and it's actually interesting because I just finished preaching through Genesis 1 through 11 and one of the subjects I spent a lot of time on, though I don't agree with their their belief of intelligence, intelligent design, it is still very interesting how many non-believing scientists are beginning to grasp as they're studying more and more the way our world and creation is put together. They see the design. They can't escape it. Right. Now, they're not <laughs> coming to Christ, right. but but they're recognizing this this whole idea of evolution is just not tenable. Yeah. Um, and on one level, I'm encouraged by that because it, it removes one impediment um, to our discussion when we're talking to people like that. Yeah. Um, so anyhow, uh, another passage would be Acts 14, 14 through 17. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who has that one? But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard about it, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Men, why are you doing these things? We too are men with human natures, just like you. We are proclaiming the good news to you so that you should turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth, the sea and everything that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to go their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without a witness by doing good, by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying you with food and your hearts with joy. So there he's just pointing, saying, look, even... 
before this time, God's witness was seen yeah. in just the fact of the the way that creation sustains them through the, the sunshine, the seasons, the rain, all of this. This is all a gift of God, and it's a witness for you to understand what's going on. Right. Uh, and then uh, another one is Romans chapter 1. This is my favorite one, uh, verses 18 to 20. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of people who suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. Because what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So people are without excuse. Yeah, so there, not everything can be known about God. Mm -hmm. In creation, but he says that which can be known is evident, not just because it's there passively, but that God has actually literally actively made it known to them. And and so why is God's wrath being revealed against mankind? Because they are in an active state of suppressing that very truth. So you you combine that with the Acts 14 is that we enjoy the good gift of rain, we enjoy right. the good gift of seasons and all of this. And yet we will not give them thanks. Mm -hmm. um, we, we see as we, the more we look into our creation, our universe, we see the glory of God and then we suppress it. But it is being revealed and they will be judged for it. Um, so that's one yeah. aspect of the natural revelation. What's the next one? Another one is uh, constitutionally, um, meaning within a person. Um, and so this, of course, is, is built on Genesis 1, 26 through 27, where God creates man in his image. Um, and so um, the fact that we bear God's image, it instinctively points us back to the reality of this God or right. this one in whose image we've right. been created. Um, and so there's just certain things that drive humans. We are, we are hardwired to do and to act in certain ways. I, I love that because, and I emphasize a lot in my preaching, that is that it's just the world is hardwired this way and we are hardwired. Yeah. And so one of them is that dominion over creation. Yeah. And I always say, just send kids off into a field. And invariably the guys will pick up sticks and they become swords and guns and they start to build a fort. And I, I, I can only speak of my daughters, but they would find flowers and then make a little crown and yep. put it on. And then they're doing this and that. But in other words, they can't leave creation alone. Yeah. It's something in them that makes them want right. to have dominion over it, but they don't know that that's what they're doing, but that's what they are in fact doing. So yeah. like you said, it's built into the very being of the yeah. person. And even when I was working through Ecclesiastes, I talked about uh, something theologians call the judicial sentiment, um, which is that sense of justice with inside of, inside of a person. Yeah. Even yes. children have this, yes. right? Yeah. This innate, yeah, this innate sense of you did me wrong. You took yes. this toy from me. Um, and there's justice there. It's not even that that's wrong. And so there's certain things that humans become outraged at when they see evil or injustice, and they ought to. That's just the fact of that they're bearing out that image of their creator in a right. sense. So, so a couple of passages. Uh, one would be Acts 17, 28 and 29. You're going to read that in Greek, right? <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> um, well, that's what you told me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so in 28 and 29, Paul here is on Mars Hill. This is one of my favorite passages. Oh, and, and we've sat or stood on Mars Hill yeah. and quoted this whole passage. As we were hugging. 
Were we? No, I'm just I'm gazing off into the. Sun. I was like, <laughs> I don't recall the hugging part. That's just not like me. Okay, but we have stood literally on Mars Hill. Yeah, with the agora below us and the acropolis above us, and yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, yeah. Uh, so, so he's sitting here preaching to these uh, Stoic philosophers um, and talking about the true God of creation. Um, and in verse twenty. Uh, seven, he says, and he's, he's saying that they, meaning people, should seek for God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Why? For in him we live and move and exist. And then he says this, even as some of your own poets have said, uh, for we also are his children. Um, so even in these secular poets of Greek thought, they understand there's this God who gives life and in him we live and move and have our being. There's something internal yeah. and innate in us. And yet, in the broader context of that text, they don't know him. And so they have an altar Personally. to the unknown God right. that they know he's out there somehow, yep. but we don't know who he is. And of course, then he proclaims it. Yeah. And then another one would be uh, Romans two fourteen and 15, where it says, for whatever the Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature, the things required by the law, these who do not have the law are a law to themselves. They show that the work of the law is written in their hearts as their conscience bears witness and their conflicting thoughts accuse or else defend them, which is what you had just brought up, is that that, that sense of right and wrong and that there's a sense of fairness and no matter where you're at in the world, I don't care how quote unquote primitive right. the society, there's laws, right. there's rules, there's things that are proper and improper to do. It's anything else is just anarchy. Well, and then when people say, well, you know, that sense of justice and those things are culturally conditioned, it's yeah. like, but why, you know, yeah. why are they culturally conditioned? Even if they look a little bit different from culture to culture, there's, there's still justice there or a sense of right and wrong and morality. In other words, it's not just a social construct. Right, they can't get yeah. around it. It's always there, correct. So on these um, these, these ideas of general revelation right. or natural revelation, there's some, there's some interpretations about how we should understand these. Um, and so you, you have more of an optimistic or positive view toward a general revelation right. or natural revelation. Um, and so this is commonly referred to as uh, a the uh, the theistic argument. Um, here you'll actually find forms of Pelagianism or semi-Pelagianism. In fact, in the Roman Catholic Church, this is huge. Yeah. This whole concept of our ability to understand the natural function of the world somehow properly to know God. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Thomas Aquinas, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, so so he developed his his arguments to prove prove the existence of God, um, so much so that he felt that through the use of of logical argumentation, a person could prove God and therefore bring a person to salvation. Right. Yeah. Then there's also the pessimistic view, which is our view. Right. Um, this deals with the homardiological or the sin fact, um, the reality of sin in in us, that apart from special revelation that we're going to describe next, uh, with the work of the spirit that pulverizes man's pride, uh, no change is really capable of right. taking place. So um, as you listen to people talk, you're going to hear people land on one side or the other in varying degrees. They're going to 
they either think that somehow within us, resident, we're capable through looking at natural revelation to come to a, a form of faith. And on the other side, it's like, no, Romans 1 is still true. Man actively suppresses the truth in unrighteousness, though so it's right there in front of them and it's made known to them and they're not help and that there's no excuse. Right. So what about special revelation? Yeah. So special revelation is is the idea that if 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 a sense of God can be understood through those things, uh special revelation is now bringing specific identity or thought or per, you know understanding of this God and the nature of salvation. And this just begins with Hebrews 1 where it says God has spoken. Right. Um so in Hebrews 1 1 through 4 it says God after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions in many ways in these last days he has spoken to us in his son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom also he has made the world and he meaning jesus is the radiance of his glory the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power and when he had made purification of sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become a much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they um, and so it's just a clear statement that God spoken. He has spoken. Yeah. And specifically through his son. Yes. Or in his son. As it well, says. but there's three ways that we're going to describe that. Yeah. Special revelation. Right. right? So what, what's the first the one? The first one is historically. Um, when you look at the scripture, you see, and we won't reference the passages. There's too many. And if you read the Bible, even remotely, You've seen it, um, that God has actually spoken directly to certain people. So it's not that they're discerning from looking at tea leaves, but mm-hmm. they're, right. God has spoken. So he spoke to Adam. Um, he spoke to Eve and, and their early descendants. He spoke to Noah, um, Abraham, members of his family, other patriarchs, members of their families, Moses, Joshua, other leaders, the prophets. Yeah. These are all, and the word of the Lord came to. Right. And then it comes. So, or Exodus, he spoke to Moses as with a friend face to face. Yeah. So, so in all of that, we have just this idea that God has spoken in history, in space and time to to specific people and dispense specific revelation for a specific purpose. Right. Yeah. Uh, The second way is bibliologically. Um, That is, he has spoken indirectly through the Bible. Um, he has revealed certain things about himself and about salvation and his purposes and plans, but through the scriptures that right. are that are true for all people at all times. And and what we're going to do through this whole long series on systematic theology is just simply use the scripture um, as our basis of that revelation of God's will and how God views things and how we ought to view it ourselves. And then the last one is a biggie, uh, Christologically. Um, in other words, uh, he has revealed himself in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have passages like Matthew one twenty three, where it says, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates mean, when translate means God with us. And on first gla- glance, you're like, what's that got to do with Revelation? God's with us, <laughs> and he, he lived among us, and he spoke, and people recorded what he wrote. Yeah. In other words, that is a very special revelation. Where you can't say, well, that's just Noah. Right. No, this is God with us, our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's right. the point that we're making. Yeah, or in, in John 1, he he's 
Jesus himself is the divine word. Yeah. Right. So in the, in the word became flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten son from the father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 18, it says, no man has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who's in the bosom of the father, he has explained him or made him known. Yeah. Um, he has exegeted, exegeted him. him yeah. Right. So, so you, you ask, how do we know God? You know, Christ. Yeah. And you don't know him apart from Christ. You can't. Right. Um, or Colossians 2.9, for in him, Christ, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. We're just, all we're saying on these passages is that when you look at Christ, you're, you're not seeing just a good man uh, or a spirit-filled man. You're seeing God himself and you're hearing God when he speaks. Um, and then the Hebrews uh, chapter one, again, you read it already about how God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways. So there we're dealing with the the, the scripture yeah. in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. And so it's very important for us to grasp that, that God has given us his revelation historically by speaking to people through the scripture and in his son. And then people will ask, well, what do you do with the rest of the New Testament then? Because after Christ ascended to heaven. But this is where, and we've talked about this already in another podcast, but in John 16, 13, um, he says, but when he, Jesus is talking about the coming of the Spirit. When the, he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. And he's talking to the uh, disciples there uh, in all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. In other words, what he's saying to them is, look, I'm not going to leave you without witness. I'm going to go into heaven and the spirit will continue to share with you and tell you that which is my will and that which is my word. And that's where the apostolic witness comes in right. in the scriptures is they're not coming up with their own ideas. These are still Christ's words spoken through um, his apostles, if that yeah. makes sense. So some concluding thoughts on this. Um, the point we want to make just in the very beginning here is that God has revealed himself to us. Um, and so we, we can learn much in the natural world because it's the very handy work of God, um, but never to the point of salvation or conversion or a proper worship of God. But it's a good thing when we're going for a walk with our children, right? Right. And we can talk, you know, I, 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 we joke with our grandchildren and we did it with our daughters is, how come you're so beautiful? And, and the proper answer they say is God may be this way. And, and everyone smiles, but whether they know it or not, they're being trained to realize God is at work. You know, I, I'm not here just by accident. Um, this is something God did. So yeah, special, uh, natural revelation is good and useful, but not to salvation. Right, not sufficient for that. Um, in fact, this is why Paul had to proclaim Christ on Mars Hill, right? Because yeah. the poets understood that there was a creator, but it wasn't sufficient. He still had to go to them and preach um, right. this Christ as the true Savior and true right. God. Um, so it's in God's special revelation then that we can know him, uh, that we can know his will, that how we can learn how we can be rightly related to him. Um, and this is seen in his his prophetic words. It's seen in his word to specific people, as we saw there in the Old Testament, but most fully in his son, who, of course, is revealed to us in scripture alone. Um, and so from this point, we're just going to try and develop now a doctrine of bibliology. Um, because if, if the scripture is is now how God speaks and has revealed certain things, 
we need to have a right understanding about it. Yeah, if we're going to know who God is and how he functions, then what does the scripture say? It's that simple. Yeah. So hopefully that will be of help and that uh, you'll continue to learn. Like and share. Great review. Comment. Thank you. <laughs>